Minor prophet number nine this evening, Zephaniah. There'll be three more coming, so we're getting towards the end. Zephaniah means Yahweh sheltered. He's possibly or probably from the line of royalty. Uh, one of his ancestors is Hezekiah, may or may not be the king, but it could be. During the reign of King Josiah, one of the good kings of Judah, I think the last really good king, you can look at him in 2 Kings chapter 22 and in 2 Chronicles chapters 34 and 35. And again, like many of the prophecy books, we'll start off with judgment and we'll end with blessings of Judah's future restoration by the Lord. I'm going to start off again tonight, if you turn over your sheet, to my notes on the bottom of page two, just to give an overview of the book, and then we'll dive into reading through the verses for us. God uses the prophet Zephaniah to elaborate on the coming day of the Lord, which will bring judgment upon Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. This phrase is found in many of the other Old Testament prophets' books, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 12, Ezekiel 33, Joel 1.15, Amos 5.20, Obadiah 15, and Malachi 4.5. It also speaks of judgment to the nations and of a subsequent time of redemption, restoration, and renewal to Israel. Idolatry, pride, violence, and deceit would be punished. The Lord will cleanse and purge the land. Destruction will come to the nations of the Philistines, Moab, Ammon, Ethiopia, and Assyria for their wicked dealings against the people of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will focus on the inhabitants of the city of Jerusalem for neither trusting in nor drawing near to him. Jerusalem's leadership failed in their offices and showed no shame in their iniquity and corruption. But the Lord also spoke of a coming time of hope and blessings for his people when purged and regathered, a preserved remnant would renew their trust and obedience in him. The Lord would rule as king in their midst, saving, gathering, and healing them making them a name and a praise for all to behold. All right, let's dive into the book of Zephaniah, starting off with a warning of judgment coming to God's people first. We'll look at chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 1, the word of the Lord, which came unto Zephaniah, the son of Cushai, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hizkiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. 
I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the fowls of the heaven and the fishes of the sea and the stumbling blocks with the wicked. And I will cut off man from off the land, saith the Lord. I will also stretch out mine hand upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place and the name of the Chemarims with the priests and them that worship the host of heaven upon the housetops and them that worship and that swear by the Lord and that swear by Melchim and them that are turned back from the Lord and those that have not sought the Lord nor inquired for him. Who's doing this? Verses 1 to 6, who's in charge? Who's, who's going to do the judgment? God, the Lord, will do it. And it's going to be an utter judgment according to verses 2 and 3. And again, God will start with his house, his own people, and go from there. Oftentimes, that's the way the Lord works. He starts with judgment in his people to get them right, that they might turn back to him and aid him when he has to deal with the rest of the nations. All right, let's go a little farther. Someone want to read chapter 1, verses 7 to 9, and then verse 12. Brother David, 7 to 9, verse 12. Verse 7 of chapter 1, what is the term again that the Lord uses to describe what is coming in judgment? It's a four-word four, four term in verse 7. For the day of the Lord, yes. And we'll see this expanded upon in the next reading. But this is the term he often uses in the Old Testament. It's longer than a day, but it's termed a day of the Lord. He is coming to do what he feels is right and best for his people. Again, he is their God, so he wants them to be right. And he needs also to provide their needs and to protect them. And these are all things that he does, and this is all part of the purpose of his day of the Lord when it comes. Notice again, he's specifically talking about Judah and Jerusalem. I like the phrase there in verse 12, that he will search Jerusalem with candles, looking for all those that need to be made right. And he's very upset with those that say, the Lord is being inactive. The Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil basically people who are sitting back thinking that everything is okay, that they're fine, the Lord's really not important, I don't need to talk to him, I don't need to seek him, I don't need to change my ways. The Lord says, yes, you do, I'm coming. Let's go down to chapter 1, verses 14 to 16, 
and we'll see a little stronger bunch of words for the day of the Lord. Someone want to read that? Brother Bob, 14 to 16. Verse 7 talked about the day of the Lord. What's verse 14 telling us? It's gotten great. It's a big day. A big day is coming. And verses 15 and 16 describe in some detail what that day is going to look like. Trouble, wrath, distress, wasteness, desolation, darkness, gloominess, a day of clouds, thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. When the trumpet was blown, when the alarm was given, that's when the enemy comes, that's when the power comes, that's when the army came and the people would be alerted to what's coming and were supposed to react. And what does God want from his people? Is to repent and turn back to him. And those that don't repent and turn back to him will face the judgment aspect of the Lord's dealing with them. Those that do listen to him are righteous or repent and become righteous. They will be spared much of what happens and eventually will receive the blessings of the Lord in great abundance. So that's the context of what Zephaniah is starting out with here in chapter 1, dealing with his people in judgment for the fact that they are not doing what they should and need to be brought back to him. But again, like most of the prophecies, starting with his, his people, he also goes to the nations around God's people. He's not going to leave them alone. They've been persecuting God's people over the years. Uh, many of them are vicious, nasty in their ways. They also bring in evil influences upon God's people. So they're going to get dealt with next. So chapter 2 of Zephaniah. Let's start off in... Okay. First we want to look at what the Lord wants of his people in verses 1 to 3, then we'll get into the nations. Someone want to read chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. This is what he desires for his people. Doctor. Okay, so he's warning them about the day coming in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2. A nation not desired. Israel, Judah has some issues. But verse 3, what a beautiful verse. Seek the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, that's God's righteousness, not ours. Seek meekness, God will humble you if you allow him to do it. And then it may, it may be he shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. So this is what he wants his people to do to seek him, to come before him in right manner, and God will protect them throughout the judgment to come. The nations next. Again, God is a protector of his people. He brings the various armies to judge his people. Very often he personally brings the judgment himself. Let's look at 
I'll read this. We're going to be skipping around. Chapter 2, it's going to be verses 4 and 5, 8 and 9, and 12 and 13. 4 and 5 of chapter 2. For Gaza shall be forsaken, and Ashkelon a desolation. They shall drive out Ashdod at the noonday, and Ekron shall be rooted up. Woe unto the inhabitants of the seacoast, the nation of the Cherethites. The word of the Lord is against you. O Canaan, the land of the Philistines, I will even destroy thee, that there shall be no inhabitant. Okay, number one, we're looking at the Philistines. They're getting their judgment. Next, verses 8 and 9 of chapter 2. I have heard the reproach of Moab and the revilings of the children of Ammon, whereby they have reproached my people and magnified themselves against their border. Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, surely Moab shall be as Sodom and the children of Ammon as Gomorrah, even the breathing of nettles and salt pits and a perpetual desolation the residue of my people shall spoil them, and the remnant of my people shall possess them. Nations of Moab and Ammon came out of the line of Lot. So these are distant cousins of Abraham, and his line that remained in Israel and Judah, they are going to get their judgment, just like Sodom and Gomorrah did. You can't find Sodom and Gomorrah anymore, so he did quite a job in dealing with them, and that was what he's saying was going to happen to Moab and Ammon. And then finally, down in verses 12 and 13, ye Ethiopians also, ye shall be slain by my sword, and he will stretch out his hand against the north, and destroy Assyria, and will make Nineveh a desolation, and dry like a wilderness. Ethiopia, down to the south of Egypt, and then we have, oops, where am I? We have Assyria to the north, near Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria. We looked at that under the books of Jonah and Nahum. So they're getting some more judgment as well. So, First Judah, Jerusalem, now these nations, the Philistines, Moab, Ammon, and then some of the Gentile nations around Judah. Now why is he doing all this at this time? Let's go down a little bit farther. Look at chapter three, verses one to four, we'll look at first. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Do I have a reader for that? Miss Kelly? The oppressing city. What city are we talking about? That's Jerusalem. The Lord is honing in a little bit more on his people. He was kind of general in talking about Judah and Jerusalem in chapter 1. Now he's getting down to brass tacks as he looks at Jerusalem. And it's not a pretty picture, is it? Disobedient not receiving correction, not trusting in the Lord, 
her princes, these would be the leadership, the government of Judah, of Jerusalem, calling them roaring lions. And what certainly does a roaring lion do but seek out his prey, devour, hurt, kill? That's not what the leadership of a country like Judah was supposed to do. Her prophets, light and treacherous persons, priests, polluted the sanctuary, did violence to the law. The leadership was not doing well. The people follow the leaders. How, how good are they gonna do? Not good at all. They were being led down the wrong path. God, God's not pleased. Let's go a little bit farther. Chapter three, verses six and seven. I'm gonna talk about why he went and dealt with the nations around. Someone want to read six and seven? Yes, sir. Brother Jeremy. He dealt with the nations as part of his protection of Judah and Jerusalem. And verse seven, this, I believe this is getting back to God's people. They saw what God did to the nations around. They saw how they were destroyed and punished. God wanted them to see what happened and then look back to him as the all-powerful Lord of their life, hoping that they would fear him, now start to receive instruction from, from him. But the end of verse seven is a sad commentary on God's people again. Rather than fearing God, rather than receiving God's instruction, they rose early and corrupted all their doings. Let's go down to chapter three, verses nine and 12 and 13. Nine and 12 and 13. Do I have a reader for that? Yes, ma'am, Sarah. All right, this is the blessing section of the prophecy of Zephaniah. Judgment came to God's people. Judgment came to the nations around. God explained why the judgment came to the nations around to try to get his people's attention. They did not get the, give the attention that God desired. But after all this is done, a remnant is left and these people will turn back to him, calling upon the name of the Lord, verse nine, serving with one consent, verse nine, and then verses 12 and 13, he calls them now in his midst an afflicted and poor people. Now that he's put them into a position of seeking, seeking him, humbling themselves, taking away their pride, taking away their boasting, they're now afflicted and poor, but they shall trust, verse 12, in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel will not do iniquity, no longer speak lies, no, more, no longer a deceitful tongue. They shall feed and lie down. None shall make them afraid because God is now protecting them as they are obediently following the Lord. He will give them the protection that they need and will allow them to serve him and worship him. And it continues. Chapter three, verses 14 to 15. He's asking them to Rejoice over what's happening. Verse 14, sing 
O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all the heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord hath taken away thy judgments. He hath cast out thine enemy. The King of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil anymore. They can rejoice. They can sing. They can be glad in heart. God is in their midst again. He is tabernacling again with them in their in the city of Jerusalem, he is with them again, and he will be their protector, and he will protect them from the evil that was there in their midst before. And finally, verses 17 to 20, the big ending for the book of Zephaniah. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save he will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly who are of thee, to whom the reproach of it was a burden. Behold, at that time, I will undo all that afflict thee, and I will save her that halteth, and gather her that was driven out, and I will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. At that time will I bring you again, even in the time that I gather you, for I will make you a name and a praise among all people of the earth when I turn back your captivity before your eyes, saith the Lord." What a blessing of hope for God's people to look to we're talking about a time that's, I think, yet to come. The captivity has certainly come back, but this is a future captivity when God will reign with them in the city of Jerusalem. All will be made right. All will be made good. Evil will be kept at bay. And all the blessings that the Lord does. Notice all the eyes in those last four verses. I, that's the Lord talking all the things that he will do for his people as they're now obedient to him and worshiping him. Any thoughts, comments on the prophecy of God through Zephaniah? Yes, Brother Dave. I see their evil by calling them back. It's not as detailed as some of the other prophecies where it talks about their transition from bad to good. It kind of starts in verse 8 there. I kind of skipped over that one. But he's sort of rebuilding in verse 8 of chapter 3. And the Lord is bringing his judgment upon them. Then it kind of skips over what happened to them, but things are, are now made right. After his judgment is done, things have settled down, then the Lord is able to deal with his people. And that's where chapter 3, verses 9 through 20, uh, the, the blessings pour out. People, people are now responding. So you'd have to look at their badness back under the times of the kings, and the goodness would be like up in the book of Revelation as the, the tribulation is over, Jesus has us 
step down onto the Mount of Olives. Everything is start made right, and he's there with his people. Would that be during the millennium? Much of that would be the millennial kingdom, yes. And you can see a progression through their history. You know, there was a partial restoration, time of Ezra and Nehemiah, but nothing on the magnitude of what we see here. They are back on their land again in modern Israel, but they've not, not yet accepted Jesus Christ as their Messiah yet. That will happen later as well. But when that does happen, look out. The Jews are going to be a mighty and a very faithful people, worshiping him like you've never seen before. And God, God will make it right when the end times come about. Ms. Kelly? Um, the, there, there will be a progression even during the tribulation. Recall you've got the 144,000 that are doing their work. You've got the two witnesses that are doing their work. They will start to understand and they'll be exactly ready for when that event comes. And then there was going to be an outpouring of, of faith and obedience that the world has never seen before, so much so that the nations of the world will notice it and they'll start pouring into Israel and Jerusalem as well. Because they're going to want to see the great God that Israel now is worshiping. Brother Dave, you'll see some of that in Daniel, much of it in the New Testament. Um, but the hope is there, the hope is clear, and that's something that they could grasp and look forward to. They wouldn't have the details, but they would understand their sin. They would understand that somehow God will judge them, and that after that, this whole series of blessings would occur. And people who wanted to understand, who wanted to uh, learn, would I think would realize that and be ready for it. Anything else? Next time, Book of Haggai.